0: Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with Sharp Nootropic Powder and patent-pending Bright Daily Capsules, powered by Neurobloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While SHARP is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5.
1: Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only .1%
2: She's a professor in James and Joanne Love Chair in Environmental Engineering, part of the Department of Civil Engineering at York University. The engineering school is called the Lassonde School of Engineering. I also have Rama Bilicharla. She's a postdoctoral visitor also at York University. And we're going to be talking about uh, wastewater and uh, you know, various topics around wastewater. So, both of you, thank you for coming.
3: Thank you so much, Richard. Thanks a lot, teacher.
2: Yeah, tell me, how would you describe the research that you're working on in your own words? We'll start with that and then go from there.
3: Okay, I can take this question, Rama. So, yes, Okay, our lab at York University, we are working on two converging disciplines of environmental biotechnology and monitoring different emerging contaminants in the environment. And then we bring environmental biotechnology into the picture with respect to those contaminants by devising eco-friendly and uh, green technologies using environmental biotechnology uh, to remediate the contaminants in the environment.
2: You're you're just looking in wastewater? Is that the treatment We are looking in
3: the environment. It includes waters, wastewater, soils, sludges, everything.
2: Okay, I understand. So Rama, where do you particularly sample from? Like what are some sites that you've gone to to sample and evaluate?
4: We generally tried both. First, we initially developed the any kind of treatment methods in drinking water, spiking some contaminants, try to apply the developed method. At the same time, we visit different wastewater treatment plants and we collect the samples at a different stage of the treatment because wastewater treatment have a lot of treatment steps. So we collect sample every treatment step and we try to measure these contaminants at the each step and also try to apply our developed technology. If is it sufficient efficient to degrade this Contaminants or not, including the wastewater treatment plant, we also tried landfill leachate and drinking water treatment plant and surface waters. Like Professor mentioned, we also did soil, some petroleum spilled waters, also we did it. We generally do real wastewater samples, not the spiked ones.
2: Okay, so it's not just water treatment plants, but leachate from landfills, I guess, industrial runoff from various sources. Okay, so. That's pretty expensive. First of all, what do you notice that's in common amongst all these sources of what, is there anything in common? Or are they completely different in terms of contaminants and what goes on? Anything
4: that is common, okay. So most of the wastewater, not the drinking water or surface water, but the most of the wastewater like landfill leachate or the industrial leachate or the municipal wastewater, the most common thing is like a lot of organic matter. The method that we apply that we, you develop by anything existent method that might work for the drinking water and the surface water differently, the efficient and efficient of the same method for the wastewater or any kind of landfill leachate is different. So we need to develop the method, optimize the method for these both different kind of matrices differently that's what we observed so far like the method it is not similar at the same time like it's not the similar efficiency for the different type of matrices so both have like a different complex matrices whenever you want to apply any kind of method you need to optimize that method based on that matrix. it's not like okay you have achieved the method you can go ahead and apply it it's not the case always it's not the case
3: it's regarding you know the challenges like she mentioned organic matrix is one thing in addition to that we should not forget that if we are considering waters or wastewater they also have other kind of contaminants you know you could have other organic contaminants you could have metals and you have to see when you do the analysis that you know they are not any inhibiting or in any way, you know, sort of overwriting the analysis that we are developing for a particular contaminant. So typically, sample preparation, as Rama stated, is a very important step, and that we need to really take care of for any of these complex
2: matrices. Well, I'm sure it's incredibly complicated. What are the first things that you'll want to remove from a waste stream? And what comes later? Is the organic material saved for last or is that the first thing you need to take out you know what's the method look like
3: good question <laughs> so actually it depends on the type of sample we bring if let's say we bring a wastewater you know from a wastewater treatment plant then we bring it to our lab and typically we are doing you know prefiltration to remove any suspended particles or matter there and then of course that doesn't mean that still, you know, the sample does not have any other organic matter, it will still have. And I think the first and foremost thing that is important for us to, is to devise the method in such a way that we have the extraction of the contaminant of our interest in the, with the best reproducibility possible. So for doing that, we definitely need to understand the chemistry of the contaminant. And then we devise a method, which could be anything all the way from a pretreatment or could be a simple filtration. Pretreatment, what I mean is you have to sometimes treat the sample so that even if the contaminants are sticking or, you know, lodging on to those suspended particles are colloids they can be dislodged and they you bring it back to the solution and now you can you know we have these cartridges which we used for use for extraction selective extraction of these contaminants and cleanup as well so during these processes we are also cleaning up the dissolved organic matter because suspended and a settled organic matter is pretty easy to remove you can understand through decantation as well as through filtration so before the sample exactly you know runs into these chromatogram uh, chromatographic systems it has to be not visually clean but really clean you know so that it doesn't you know cause any background noise when we are doing the measurements using the chromatography systems
2: well Okay, so from what I understand with regular wastewater treatment, it's important to get the particulate matter out of the sample because that's what organic matter hides in and yeah. in and grows in and yeah. uses it as like nucleation sites. So, but again, how do you, so if there's a particular type of waste, how do you even know, first of all, you got to characterize what's in it and how variable and then how the stuff interacts and then how do you know what to pull out and when and how do you know when it's quote unquote okay to release it to its final place wherever it may go into the ground or, you know, recirculate it back. I mean, it just seems like an incredibly complicated thing. What are some of the heuristics you have on how to start treating a wastewater stream?
3: Okay. (laughs) I think Rama would be a very good candidate to answer. Yes, Rama, maybe you can follow up once I'm done. I'll let you know. Okay. Yes. So the most important thing that happens is when we bring the wastewater from the wastewater treatment plant, we have to do a thorough characterization. And the characterization includes not only of any of those emerging contaminants, but even the basic characteristics, like measuring the chemical oxygen demand, biochemical oxygen demand, how much carbon. Carbon is there, how much solids are present, volatile solids, dissolved solids, etc., including metals. So this thorough characterization and you know, even the simple pH parameter helps us understand what matrix we are dealing with. Okay. And then of course, you know that we have in any country, we're talking about the OECD countries, we have these well-developed guidelines for simple parameters like carbon, nitrogen, you know. I mean to say nitrates, ammonia, phosphates, sulfates, metals, et cetera. So it's easy to follow and we see, you know, whether the wastewater is meeting those criteria. But then for emerging contaminants, I don't think we have any specific guidelines in many of the countries. So there we are really, you know, looking into a, a black box. So in order to decipher what is there in the black box, again, characterization is very important. Of course, when I'm saying the black box, it has really millions of these compounds, okay, all the way from pharmaceuticals to endocrine disruptors to anything, plasticizers and so on. So we cannot degrade you know all of these emerging contaminants. So then we choose, you know, the primary ones which we are expecting more to be in the municipal wastewater treatment plant. Let's say to talk about, you know, plasticizers. And of course bisphenol A has been banned from products now, but we still find bisphenol A in the wastewater treatment plant because bisphenol also is a byproduct from other kind of polymeric contaminants. So then after we have done the analysis for this the analysis. Of these contaminants, I already explained the steps before. Then, you know, now we have to look into a treatment process. And especially in our research group, we have tried to devise methods which would be, you know, leaving less you can say eco-friendly or less low noxious transformation products. So what do I mean by that? Because we should not forget that you get an organic contaminant into a wastewater and you have to treat it now. We cannot bring it completely to carbon dioxide and water. So we devise a method in such a way that the method in itself is not loading on too much chemicals into it. Rather, it is able to, you know, degrade it in such a way that it gets transformed into something which is potentially non-toxic.
0: Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending Bright Daily Capsules, powered by Neurobloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors, available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5.
2: Is it a viable strategy to dry out a stream and then just take the solids and, you know, compress oh, them no. or put them somewhere no. and then the remainder of it would I mean why why would that poor strategy sometimes
3: I don't think that uh, because we should not forget, Richard, the type of processes that we are talking about for that, like let's say ozonation, I'm just taking an example, okay? So ozone has to come in contact with the contaminant. It would be easier for ozone to come in contact with the contaminant if it's in the liquid medium, which is wastewater, because then, you know, it will be dissolved there at a certain dosage and it would be in touch, in contact with the contaminant with which it has to degrade. So that's why, and of course, since we are not using that extra energy for drying, you know, it's always better to treat it in its native condition. And do not forget that finally it goes through, you know, the secondary treatment and tertiary treatment in the wastewater treatment plant before being released into the surrounding environment, be it river or lake or anything, depending on the... I mean,
2: in a, in a way, like flocculent. You know, waste treatment plants are trying to aggregate some of the physical matter so it can be taken out of circulation. That's why I thought a drying or a partial drying, maybe that would be a good way in some circumstances to help.
3: No, your point is correct. They use coagulants, but, you know, that is more used for some of the chemicals which can be precipitated. But many of these contaminants that I'm mentioning to you right now, emerging contaminants, they are present in nanograms or picograms per liter. And they just, you know, pass easily from one unit operation in the wastewater treatment plant to another without being degraded. Mm. So they don't get precipitated to that big, large quantities because their concentrations are pretty
2: low. Okay. When you have organic matter involved, I would think that would really complicate things because the organic matter is not just static, it's moving and changing and turning into other stuff, etc. So is the first job to get rid of the organic matter and then the other pollutants or like what would be the recommendation and why?
3: Okay, so I think I let Rama answer this question because she has a lot of practical experience around this. Rama, go
4: ahead. Yeah, thanks, Professor. Like Richard, you mentioned that uh, like like you mentioned, like your imagination, like, it's easy to coagulate and remove the solids first. In the treat with wastewater treatment plant. it happens. It's the same process. First, they go with the coagulation, fluctuation, remove the all solid parts, and they treat the soluble organic matter with the different biological and chemical methods, and finally release that into the surface water. And uh before releasing into the surface water the main thing they follow is like the normal things in any kind of treatment plant in any country they so total dissolved solids another one is bod cod the chemical oxygen and biological oxygen demand and also nitrates nitrates and phosphates these are the main seven to eight parameters they measure before releasing into the Surface water. But when coming to the emerging contaminants, we don't have the any regulation like Professor mentioned at the same time. These emerging contaminants are present in nanogram per liter, picogram per liter. Nobody cares about this emerging contaminant, like presence of this, because it's keep on diluting when releasing from wastewater to surface water. And surface water drinking water, they feel like it's completely removed. So it's safe to drink but they are present in the PICO nanograms and all these treatment methods right now we have in the n- infrastructure of wastewater treatment it plants It's not sufficient to remove. Let's say our compound is soluble. Sometimes it gets attached to some organic compounds. It might be removed, let's say, 50 to 90% by coagulation and flacculation. We might be having only 20% in the upcoming steps. So like you mentioned, it easily removed by these solids by initial coagulation. So we can treat that one separately and remaining... Part separately. That's a good strategy. That's what we are following right now, removing all insoluble, like soluble that is attached to organic matter. We're trying to remove 80% of these emerging contaminants, even the arg- solid part by coagulation. The main problem here is the contaminants that we use every day, like pharmaceuticals, any kind of like perfluoro compounds, they are very soluble. They easily go into this liquid part, liquid part, even though it is nano or micro. Imagine like we have thousands of chemicals, even though one chemical is like PPT or femto level, combining all become maybe more than one microgram, more than one milligram. So that kind of level of this contaminants are releasing into the wastewater to surface water. So mm-hmm. our main concern here is like trying to reduce emerging contaminants release into the surface water, How, whatever may be the possible way we want to approach. We want to go that way and try to devise some methods so that not only focusing at one contaminant, we are trying to focus one method for at least thousands of contaminants to stop their release into the wastewater. wastewater. Is,
2: to surface water. Yeah. It seems like maybe a low energy way to start would be to pass, the wastewater through a series of sieves or filters, you know, that keep getting smaller in diameter. And then maybe or not drying or some other process. But is there any you know low energy cost way to initially get contaminants out of a stream? Again, maybe like a series of sieves.
4: So coming to this, like you mentioned low energy process to remove this emerging contaminants, the best way is like you mentioned, operate the solid and liquid part and liquid part treat it properly, like incineration. Well so what you- about like
2: a cyclone? Maybe that would be cheap, you know, a cyclonic action through a funnel and maybe the you know the larger contaminants will be thrown to the outside walls and that could act as a you know like a high pass filter that I don't know, just ideas.
4: Okay. So we still have the methods like filtration, you know, to remove the contaminants at the drinking water, not the wastewater. I think in Toronto, they are still applying these filtration techniques in the wastewater itself so that to reduce the load of emerging contaminants in the surface water. And like every method had its so own pros and cons cannot completely depend on low energy based methods because it might not be sufficient sometimes for the all contaminants. Because one method has simple one mechanism and we have like uh, thousands of chemicals with the different chemical properties. So with one mechanism, we cannot focus or cover all these contaminants removal. That's the main right. problem we are facing right now. That's why we are trying to comply two different methods, like one chemical, one biological, so that we can have like low energy at the same at the same time. We have a green technologies.
2: Well, I know I keep talking about you know uh, drinking water. Do people care if it's just straight wastewater versus drinking water? Are the rules very different for both? Is it hard to get? Funding to treat wastewater because no one cares about it. They care about drinking water. Like what's the dynamic of of these two types of streams?
3: Okay. Rama, can I answer? Yes, professor. Yeah, it's okay. Since it's related to funding. So let me tell you, Richard, between waters and wastewaters, I don't think there is any problem in getting funding for either of them. Okay. On the contrary, wastewater is an important thing, you know, to be treated because one should not forget that what happens these municipal infrastructures in the wastewater treatment plant, sometimes, you know, when the plant is, undergoes some repairs or shutdowns or, you know, something goes wrong, they are spilling that untreated wastewater into the surrounding surface water bodies. At least that we have seen in Canada many times. Sometimes they had to spill, you know,
2: release almost uh, several. I'm from, I'm, from I'm from New York, and that's happened plenty of times. They yeah, they, yeah.
3: So they, you can they imagine. They
2: just they just dump right into the river, you know.
3: Exactly. So you can imagine to avoid that, it's better, you know, if we can have something, you know, going on uh, in terms of research as well as uh, technologies to treat these wastewater. So I think. Long story short, in order to get funding, it's not a challenge. Be it wastewater or water treatment, it, both are equally important. And since you are in US, so you know the importance, especially in Arizona and California, the wastewater treatment is very important. You know, as an eventual drinking water source, because what is done is that water, the wastewater once it's treated, the treated effluent is reinjected into the groundwater. And then it is, you know, taken out from the ground and goes to the drinking water treatment plant to become eventually the drinking water. So wastewater is a drinking water in a circular sense. So I don't think there's positive of funds
2: for both these. Okay. Well, tell me about some of the the wastewaters you've dealt with. Which ones are like unbelievably content? You know, I I remember a, a teacher of mine told me years ago, they said like, Leachate from landfills is just like a witch's brew of God knows how many chemicals and it's just unbelievably disgusting and contaminated. But do you have your own stories about various wastewaters that are interesting that you've run into and why?
3: Yes, I agree with your teacher. And Rama, she can also let you know now because she is working on the leachates right now. We both are working on this one. We have some project around this. Yes, definitely. Leachate has everything and anything. But as well as I think the most, you know, tough nut to crack is the municipal wastewater as well, because there are seasonal variations in the characteristics as well, okay? And there are so many other variations. For example, in some wastewater treatment plants where there is not a separation of the stormwater, there is dilution happening during rainy season, and that, you know, affects the operation to a largest large extent, of course, in Canada's in the major cities they are trying to have a separate they have some of them separate storm water lane, but in some cases they don't have it, and then it's dilution, but when you have dilution, you also have a lot of water to treat, you know it dilutes the pollution but then it it still becomes contaminated. Stormwater would not be that contaminated as the wastewater coming from municipal wastewater, and I think regarding leachates, Rama, you can maybe talk about it a bit.
4: Yeah. So leachate it's not like a simple like wastewater might be the call. leachate have different kinds of organic matter because it's contained the food waste some kind of leachate and the industrial waste everything got deposited in certain land and it's co- continuously released of this soluble organic matter you see and the leachate is very high compared to wastewater and also we have found a lot of cod chemically oxygen demand high compared to wastewater that makes this like a it's important parameter to treat the leachate ultimately. Otherwise, if you release this landfill leachate into the surface water, there's a lot of chance of eutrophication It's like a lot of uh, contamination of surface water. That's why I think a lot of people are focusing on the leachate right now to channelize this landfill leachate into the wastewater treatment plant so that it can be treated simultaneously instead of that having this leachate running into the surface water. That's the main problem. Another thing is like wastewater has a lot of contaminants that releasing into the, any kind of waters like including metals because the landfill leachate is coming from the soil. It has the metals and also the chemicals which are like industrial chemicals which has like high concentration compared to municipal wastewater because municipal wastewater like a lot from the domestic they might be having contaminants related to the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies but the landfill they have the industrial which is high in concentration that what we have seen and this our research is like they have different complex organic matters compared to wastewater and it's very difficult to treat it using any, any kind of okay. biological methods as well
2: well what are some of the uh, really cool innovative interesting treatment methods that you guys have run into you know what's out there that you're like you just think it's like a really fantastic way to clean up some of these streams. And I know it's not a panacea. It's incredibly difficult and complicated, yeah,
4: no, which there you is... work
2: on. But still, <laughs> what, are, what are some cool methods of uh, partial treatment?
3: See, foremost, there is no one solution for all <laughs> kind of treatment. Okay. It has to be tailored. And I think the best weapon we have in our hands, if we want to tailor that treatment, is a thought of characteristics of the treatment. Okay, because that helps us decide which way should we go. Should we be investing in uh, technologies which are on the advanced oxidation side, because the stream is you know rife with many contaminants, including organics, inorganics, and so on? Should we go into a treatment which would be moderate, for example, having a biological treatment using microorganisms, which is slow yet ecologically It is, I should say, more favorable because you don't get potentially non-toxic transformation products from most of these biological treatments. Of course, in some cases, if the treatment is stopped somewhere in the middle, then probably we don't have that kind of solution. It has to be really tailored. You know, there is no single solution, no magical (laughs) treatment for all the streams, And I think we have to choose all the way from physical, chemical to biological. And sometimes, uh, as we have seen in our research group over the past, you know, two decades is that the best technology is if you can have a sequence of different kind of methods. So in other words, what we call as hybrid technologies, because we are dealing with, you know, a wide stream of
4: contaminants. Like Professor mentioned, to add on that... uh you have seen like uh, in wastewater right now the infrastructure and the wastewater treatment plants are not flexible if any kind of uh, modification is needed they always go for the approval funding and everything and coming to the chemicals we have every day we have a new chemical in the wastewater every day we have a new uh, Uh, like manufacturing chemical, like microplastic, nanoplastics. And we don't have the flexibility to modify our treatment techniques in the wastewater treatment plant. So at the same time, we cannot include one technique for all because everything is different. So like Professor mentioned, we need to have a sequence as well as a flexibility in future because we don't know how many chemicals we're going to deal in future, right? That's why we need to have flexibility in the structure itself.
2: I know, again, none of panaceas or any of that stuff, but what is... One or two methods that you can talk about that people wouldn't know even exist, you know, for the lay person that doesn't deal with wastewater, you know, what are some interesting methods that you've seen and what do they do?
3: I can say, Rama. Okay. Yes. One of the interesting methods was what you stated, Richard, about coagulation. It is interesting because it takes the maximum load, you know, out of the wastewater treatment plant upstream. It is an important step. Okay. So that's part of the primary treatment. And so you can call it as chemical treatment, as I was talking about physical, chemical, and biological. And of course, then we have the biological treatment. Biological treatment is very important in a way that, you know, now some of these, you know, stubborn or recalcitrant contaminants, they they spend more time with the microorganisms you know, in those biological treatment reactors. And there is a possibility that they can undergo degradation with time. And so it's biological treatment is equally important. Now, coming back to our emerging contaminants, which we have been talking about, me and Rama so much on these, on their concentrations. So these contaminants, they would be mostly taken care of during the tertiary treatment. So tertiary treatment, you know, is a disinfection step, but that disinfection step can be also an oxidative step. So we can have some kind of an oxidizing agent present there. Like, you know, in some plants here in Montreal, they are constructing plant which will have ozonation as the tertiary treatment. So if you have ozone towards the end of the wastewater treatment plant, definitely a big load of these emerging contaminants would be taken care of, you know, as um, before being released into that environment yeah. i hope i i give you
2: a sound answer there yeah well like i said i've heard of like cyclones settling tanks flocculation yeah. maybe i don't know if you can if you put uh, two terminals into a waste stream and you electrify them and achieve some degree of electrolysis yeah Would that do anything to a waste stream or is that dangerous to do like wh- again what are some of these techniques that are interesting that are applicable in certain situations
3: Yes, even electrochemistry plays an important role, Richard. But in the case of electrochemistry, one has to remember also you cannot use electrochemistry upstream. So that's why I'm saying you have to go through the sequence of steps depending on how heavily contaminated the incoming stream is. Okay. So if it is, let's say, a laundry wastewater, okay, then for a laundry wastewater, okay, you will have those detergents, so some of the nitrogen. would be there and of course probably you would have some chlorinated compounds and chlorine so electrochemistry can can do magic there Okay. And then you just have those electrochemical cells and reactors and they can decontaminate this kind of a stream. But if we are talking about a municipal wastewater stream, which has a very high organic and inorganic loading, in that case, definitely we cannot have electrochemistry upstream. We would probably have it towards the end of the plant. In the tertiary treatment. And then again, you know that it's easier to talk theoretically about these, you know, kind of treatments. But if you go to a real wastewater treatment plant and you talk to those operators and even the you know the site engineers, I don't think they would be in favorable of having another, you know, add-on step into their wastewater treatment plant because it costs, you know, it can cost them. Many a lot of dollars, and the costs sometimes can really run high. And I don't think the municipalities are are ready to absorb that kind of costs. So that's another important thing. And in our research group, in fact, we also do techno-economic analysis to see if this technology would be set up in a municipal or any kind of industrial setting. Would it be on the cost benefit side
2: for that? Is is anyone that you know of studying the the microbiome? I'm just going to put it that way, of wastewater. Like, are there any particular microbial profiles that tend to go along with certain waste streams? And could that be used in any beneficial way? Yes,
3: we, in fact, Richard, we were part of a project. Of course, my colleagues are based in Europe and they used to take wastewaters. Like we used to send them wastewaters because before moving to York, I was in Quebec and we used to send them wastewaters from Quebec wastewater treatment plants and they studied this microbiome okay in the different wastewaters across the world so their collaboration is quite big okay and they have studied the diversity in the microbiome and this is called what is called as wastewater mining now so (laughs) the microbiome yes could be reutilized for the treatment or even they are trying to see as to how in the secondary wastewater treatment plant, some of this microbiome can be enriched, you know, through some means, through change in process conditions or something so that, you know, we can have uh, higher efficiency in removal. So yes, that kind of work is on its way. Not only, of course, I'm talking about across in Europe, from Europe, but there are some studies even carried out in North America around this.
2: Yes. It's in Vogue. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, I mentioned it because you said the organic component is so important. You know, it needs to be studied in in the context of, you know, well, science and the microbiome and the least in the human body is really advancing. There's a lot of interest. So maybe if you look at this as to an analogous thing where it has its own microbiome, maybe it has some clues on solving the organic problems of contamination in a better way. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Well, well, very good. What's, um, what do you see as the future? Like what important developments are needed at this point, in your opinion, to really advance the treatment of various wastewaters?
3: I think uh, the foremost thing that has to be done, and it is being done now, we are not looking at wastewater as being, you know, that's being (laughs) considered as an outdated term for wastewaters because it's important resource you know and these days the focus is more on circular economy in other words you know uh, considering wastewater treatment plants as rich in resources uh, which could be harvested all the way from nutrients to those metals and some of the organics as well so because don't forget that the organics can be, you know, fed on by the microorganisms and then these microorganisms can produce some other value-added products. We also, our group works on that in that field as well. So I think that's where the technology is going. It's no longer being just, you know, left to the traditional path of wastewater treatment and disposal. It is more wastewater treatment,
2: reuse and resource. Well, very good. Um, and where can uh, people find out more about your work and about Rama's work? Where can they go?
3: To our website, but, uh, myself and Rama, we can also send you this. We have the Google scholar links, right? Rama. Yes. Which can be used as well to read about our work. Yes.
2: Okay. Well, very do good. You want, um, do you want
3: us to send those links to you, Rachel?
2: Yeah. I want to make them available in the show notes, to listeners and, um, You know, Mm -hmm. as we finish, I just wanted to thank you both for coming. Is there any last bit of information that you want to impart to listeners? Or if you feel like we've covered a lot, then I want to thank you for coming. It's up to you.
3: No, I think I'm done, Richard. And I'll tell Rama, we'll send you all those details. uh, Rama, can you please do that? Yeah, definitely.
4: I'll send you the information right away.
2: Yeah. Let me just thank you for coming and then I'm going to turn off the recording. Sure. Mm -hmm. All right, for the editors. Thank you very much, Rama and Satinder for coming. It's a very interesting issue. I I just, for some reason, I think it's very fascinating. I hope listeners will think so as well. So thank you both.
3: Thank you so much, Richard, for inviting me and Rama to this podcast. It's been exciting to talk to you on this interesting
0: subject. Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with Sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending Bright Daily Capsules, powered by Neurobloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While SHARP is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5.